2: So you have this brilliant play by Beaumarchais, boiled down and crafted into this brilliant, perfect, please don't remove one word of the libretto by de Ponte, set to music by Mozart. And it's, it never gets old. And it, it always speaks to people because exactly as you said, it's so real and human and and set into this sublime music it's just it's perfection it, it is absolutely the reason I do this you know to try and and reach the heights of you know it's so much better than we are <laughs> art this art is so much better than we are and it, it gives you something to aspire to i think
1: Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. Lyric is delighted to welcome back to the company American mezzo soprano Joyce Di Donato. She debuted here two seasons ago with one of her signature roles, Rosina, in Rossini's The Barber of Seville. This season, she's singing another role with which she's closely associated, Carabino, in Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. Among Miss Di Donato's successes in Mozart have been Don Giovanni at Covent Garden, La Clemenza di Tito in Geneva, and Idomeneo in Paris. My colleague from the Lyric Broadcast, George Preston, recently spoke to Miss Di Donato about portraying Carabino. Before we get to the interview, here's a quick synopsis of the marriage of Figaro. Susanna is the Countess's maid. Figaro is the Count's valet. The two servants are to be married, but they reckon without the Count's designs on Susanna. Aided by the Countess, who's distressed by the Count's interest in other women, Figaro and Susanna decide to teach the Count a lesson. Along the way, Figaro learns that he's no orphan but the son of Marcellina and Dr. Bartolo. Marcellina is actually Bartolo's housekeeper, who had previously been desperate for Figaro to marry her. Also figuring prominently in the opera is the count's page, Carubino, desperately in love with Susanna, the countess, and every other woman in the count's castle. Now, on to the conversation between Joyce DiDonato and George Preston. I hope you enjoy it.
0: You've had some challenges recently that were more than just vocal. How's the leg?
2: <laughs> Thank you. I am happy to say I'm in the middle of my run and I'm touching wood that so far um, I've been standing on, on my feet, which is good. Um, it was 4th of July in London, opening night of Covent Garden's Barber of Seville with this all-star cast, and I decided to wipe out right after Una Voce Poco Fa and um, finish the run in a wheelchair, and it taught me quite a lot. Um, I've spent a lot of time in physical therapy. I feel strong, I feel good. And um, I don't ever need to repeat that again. (laughs) I imagine. I know
0: you got great reviews for your Rosina singing from the wheelchair. Uh, What were your thoughts at the
2: time? Well, when I actually broke my leg, I I thought it was perhaps just a sprain. And I sort of tried to put some weight on it. And wow, did that hurt? Um, Essentially, my my modus operandi for the rest of those two and a half hours of that evening was how – can I get from point A to point B? And and I sort of shuffled my way through that show. Um, It was sort of a mutual decision to go into the wheelchair for the remainder of the run. And what was actually quite fabulous about it was I was surrounded by a wonderful cast that were sort of game for improvising our staging and changing things up. But I ended up realizing in this situation... The, and feeling firsthand how trapped Rosina really is. And I've always known that this was a case of her trying to find her freedom and her youth and her liberation. But actually being confined to this wheelchair, um, it, it put a new light on, on Rosina being trapped and her determination to get out of her situation. It also took away literally my legs and my body, so I had to make sure... This is obviously always the goal, I think, for an opera singer, but it was just honed for me, the fact that our, our biggest asset in acting is our voice. It's not the hands or the body. I mean, that helps, but if it's not led by the voice and initiated by the voice, then um, we're, we're selling ourselves short. So it, it certainly um, forced me to concentrate on that more than I might have, and I, I appreciated that lesson. It was very good.
0: You're coming to Chicago soon for Cherubino in Le nozze di Figaro. You got started at Lyric Opera of Chicago in a way before your international career really took off. Talk about the trajectory of your relationship with Lyric Opera and what the company means to you now.
2: Well, the Lyric Opera gave me actually almost my biggest break coming right out of the Houston Opera studio. I was hired to cover Jennifer Larmore in uh, Alcina in the character of Ruggiero. And that was such a starry cast. I'm sure your listeners, most of them, probably saw this production, and I'm going to venture a guess to say that it remains on one of their top ten list for sure, because it was such an exquisite production with the most stellar cast, and it made a big impression on me as a as a young artist still. And sitting in that room, watching these, you know, Natalie Dessay and Renee Fleming and Jennifer Larmore, and it was quite thrilling. But I had an epiphany while I was there in that I had prepared myself quite well, and I just remember sitting there, and this is absolutely no judgment on on the amazing Jennifer Larmore who I was covering, and she sang a brilliant Ruggiero, but I just thought to myself, you know, if I had to go on, I could actually do this. I think I could actually stand here and hold my own on this stage. And that was a real pivotal moment. I think every young artist at some point has to find a way to bridge that gap between sort of the educational aspect of the career and when you actually jump in and you start calling yourself an artist and seeing yourself that way. Because until you feel you are, the audience isn't going to get it either. And I just had this moment of like, I think I would be okay. I think I'm actually in the right spot here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was I never went on, thank goodness. (laughs) I never went on, but I learned so much, and I felt like I I grew into myself as an artist a bit in that period. And then I came back and, and did Rosina there a few years ago, and it was such a warm company, From the first day I came in, just as a lowly cover, I'll never forget Bill Mason was there, shook my hand and said, we're so glad to have you there. And I was invited to the opening night party and he introduced me saying, it's important to have covers of such high artistic value. And I thought, my gosh, is he talking about me? It was so warm. And the beautiful thing is he treated me as a human being. I wasn't any more or less important because I was a cover. And then years later, I came back as a principal artist. I was still Joyce. And that's that way the company works there. You know, we're human beings. They're happy to have us there. They respect the amount of concentration and work that we have to put into what we do. And they create an environment where it's possible for us to succeed. And that's, oh, it's a gift. (laughs)
0: Cherubino is a lot different to sing than uh, the big Rossini roles. What are the special challenges and joys of this role and of singing Mozart?
2: Oh, it's Carabino. I mean, it's just, it's heaven. And it's been a few years, actually, since I've been in his boots. I've missed him a little bit. Um, I think the the ultimate um, challenge with Mozart is his music is so pure and... It demands such purity of intention and the vocal line, all the musicality, the phrasing. There has to be a purity and a simplicity in in the context of this complex, amazing score that he scribbled out. I mean, it still blows my mind. I know when Carabino jumps out the window, there's still a lot of uh, territory to cover in the Act Two finale, and I can never pull myself into the dressing room. I have to stand in the wings to listen to this masterpiece. It's so incredible. Um, I think the biggest challenge is actually getting out of the way, um, not trying to make it anything other than what it is in its simplistic brilliance. You know, there's a lot of humanity that has to come through an evening like The Marriage of Figaro, and... I just think it's respecting that and letting the human qualities of the voice, of the line, of the characters just come through and let the audience experience just four hours of sublime perfection. Well, <laughs> That's not Is that too tall of a task?
0: <laughs> not for you. Well. <laughs> I don't have to be up there singing it. But it's always yeah. seemed to me like this is one of the most realistic of all operas in the repertoire in terms of the fullness and roundness of the characters. They just seem so real to me, no matter how many times I see the marriage of Figaro. You know, they're real people going through real everyday problems, trying to put a good face on it and keep their good humor up, but they're so real, and uh, the problems that they're going through, for them, they're really big
2: problems.
0: You know? It's
2: true, and you know we forget that this actually takes place in a single... Day, I mean, it is chaos from the word go for everybody, and there are a lot of problems to solve and to get through, that arise throughout it. You know, this is this opera is the perfect storm because Mozart and Da Ponte had the brilliant idea to take this brilliant play that was so timely and spoke so strongly to everything that was happening in, in their lives and their time period and society and the culture and politically and everything. So you have this brilliant play by Beaumarchais boiled down and crafted into this brilliant, perfect, please don't remove one word of the libretto by de Ponte, set to music by Mozart. And it's it never gets old, and it it always speaks to people because exactly as you said, it's so real and human and and set into this sublime music. It's just it's perfection it, it is absolutely the reason I do this you know, to try and and reach the heights of you know it's so much better than we are. <laughs> art, this art is so much better than we are, and it it gives you something to aspire to, I think.
0: You mentioned that you haven't done a Carubino in a few years. Looking ahead, do you see yourself ever moving into the heavier roles in the mezzo-soprano repertoire?
2: I do actually. I mean, certainly it, Mozart for me now. I mean, the the character of Sesto is um is quite uh, intoxicating, you know, and that's it's it's a big thing, Sesto and I've I've done it just once. Um look forward to doing it again. Um but that's certainly something that's... um more sort of big girl singing, and and I'm you know I, I'm going now a little bit more into the French repertoire and some more bel canto, and I it feels like I'm not pushing myself in that degree. It's just sort of happening naturally, um, but it's a real gift for me to keep coming back to things like Cherubino or Rosina, Cenerentola. These sort of um, the spinal column of my career and my technique. It's keeps me honest, um, keeps me out of trouble, and uh, I think it's 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 quite good actually for me not even artistically but also vocally
0: over the past few years your career has just taken off like a rocket and i imagine you must be incredibly busy and swamped with offers so what's the biggest challenge of managing your career at this point
2: well the challenges change. You know, It's um. I think young artists probably look at me and think, oh, my gosh, she's made it. It's like, well, I made it through that first stage, but now there certainly are different challenges. And it's number one is finding a way to stay rested. I think that's quite important. Um, But I have the great luxury of actually having a bit of control in crafting what direction I will go in. When you're starting off, you're just doing any audition, and you just want a job, and you don't care what the job is. You just want to start working. So to have the the luxury, I think is the right word, to to start asking for certain things and and saying, you know, I think in three years' time I'll be ready for this role. It's it's a wonderful thing. Um, this season, I I knew that I had a lot of new repertoire behind me. And I thought, I actually need a season to sort of let my brain rest a little bit. So I'm doing a lot of Rosinas and this Cherubino and enjoying just coming back and revisiting these characters that I love so much. But I I do have a large appetite um, theatrically and and musically. And so I want to explore some new territory. I think the challenge is um, making very well-educated guesses. Because most opera singers at this point, you know, we're working three, four, five years out. And there's no guarantee about where the voice exactly is going to go. So it has to be a calculated risk. And, you know, sometimes singers are raked over the coals for, you know, venturing a little bit outside of their comfort zone. Or directors are, you know, given a hard time for trying something. We're in the arts and we have to be given some elbow room to try something and to take a risk you know without that the art form isn't actually going to move forward we're going to get stuck in in sort of the easy choices and sometimes we're going to misfire and we might make a miscalculation and hopefully i think most of the time the public is is forgiving but i'd like to to push myself and i would like to um, take some risks. This Colbron disc that I recorded was a bit of a risk for me. It's repertoire that people might raise their eyebrow and say, mm, should she really be singing that? And I like that. I want to keep people guessing a little bit and that they come to the theater and they might not know exactly what they're going to hear. So they might actually have to listen a bit harder and and be open to to trying new things. So I'm going to take some risks. I'm going to um, experiment a little bit and and keep coming back to the core repertoire that I do well and and hopefully at the end of the end of the line I will feel like I I'd, I I'd, um, tried everything I could.
0: Well, we certainly look forward to your visit to Chicago and your run as Carubino in Le Nozze di Figaro at Lyric Opera of Chicago. And Joyce di Donato thank you so much for joining us today on WFMT.
2: Thank you. I can't wait to be back in Chicago.
0: Great. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.